Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Door, a weekly broadcast that examines what Lutheran Christians believe about God, the world, and us. I'm Pastor Brett Cornelius of Gethsemane Lutheran Church, and I invite you to join us for the next hour. And later, we will take questions at 740-383-9944, that's 740-383-WWGH, or on Facebook at the Wittenberg Door, where you can submit your questions live. Please join us now on the Wittenberg Door. Good Friday morning, everyone. This is Pastor Brett Cornelius with Gethsemane Lutheran Church. We're uh, glad you're joining us here on the Wittenberg Door. The Wittenberg Door is a call-in program. So as we discuss our topics today, if you have a question or a comment you'd like to make about the content of our program or just... Uh, a question you might have independently of the content, give us a call. The number is 740-383-9944. That's 383-WWGH. Okay. And uh, with me today is uh, Sean. Yep. Sean, how are you doing? Uh, doing good, Brett. How are you? Not, not too bad. Not too good. bad. Good. So uh, last week I was gone. We had to have a, a replay of, of our broadcast. And uh, I had pneumonia. Oh. Yeah, I was down. I was out. Uh, matter of fact, I was for the about the first time in 17 years, I didn't even go to church on Sunday. Wow. Uh, missed a, missed a church service. I was uh, so sick. So, uh, but I had have had time to recover now. Don't worry. I'm not gonna pass anything on to you. <laughs> Unless it's the faith. Yeah, there you go, there you go. I'll be happy to pass that on to you. Okay, well, uh, last week, uh, or la la I should say the last live broadcast we did, which was two weeks ago, I started uh, on a series through our catechism. And you might remember uh, uh, Luther's small catechism. And uh, basically what a catechism is, it's not a word that's used in many evangelical churches anymore. Um, but a catechism is simply a, a, a method of instruction. And it comes from uh, that, actually the language of catechism comes from scripture, comes from Luke chapter 1, where Luke is writing his gospel to someone who has already been what he says catechized. They've already been instructed. So catechism really is really just kind of a word. It's a Greek word that just means instruction. And uh, everyone should be instructed in the faith. Everyone should know about the Christian faith, know who Jesus is, know who God is, what they've done for what God has done for him and or her, and uh, what he continues to do, what he will do in the future. And that's really kind of what the catechism is about. It's kind of an introduction to the Bible. It's uh, uh, you know Luther called it a little Bible. Uh, and, and what he meant by that was it, it, it covers all the topics, all the major topics of the Christian faith. He calls, he says that it uh, covers the six chief parts of the faith. Huh. You know, what does Bible teach us? Well, it teaches us the Catechism. It teaches us the Ten Commandments. teaches us the Apostles' Creed. Uh, you know, the Apostles' Creed is a kind of a summary of what we learn about God in the Bible. Uh, it teaches us the Lord's Prayer. Jesus himself teaches us that prayer. Uh, teaches us, the Bible teaches us about baptism in many, many places. Teaches us about absolution or the forgiveness of sins. 
many, many places. It's kind of what it's about. <laughs> and it teaches us about uh, the Lord's Supper and, and essentially how we receive God's grace, how, how, God, how God passes on this gift of forgiveness to us in the Word and the sacraments. So uh, very important document. Many Lutherans grew up memorizing these passages and memorizing these parts uh, memorizing the Ten Commandments, memorizing the Apostles' Creed. And it's a good exercise for children, good exercise for adults. You know, so often uh, we're kind of kind of stabbing around in the dark. You know, we have the Ten Commandments. They are written in our hearts. Um, we know that every culture in the world has had a form of what is called God's law. And that it's based its own laws. Each culture throughout history has based its own laws of right and wrong on on uh, law of God. Or some people call it the law of nature. You know, um, during the Enlightenment period, they they referred to it as as uh, you know uh, natural law, right? Yeah. And uh, there's there's not. That's okay to, to refer to it that way. It's, but, you know, uh, St. Paul explains it in Romans chapter 2. He says uh, that the Gentiles, and by the Gentiles, he's referring to all the other nations that aren't Jews. All right? Right. So you have the Jewish nation, the Jewish race, and then you have all the other, uh, you know, 70 nations of the world, you know, that we're all so kind of subdivided into. And he said, for when the Gentiles who do not have the law, that is, God's law given from Mount Sinai, in that form, the Ten Commandments wrote, written on two tablets of stone. Huh. He says, when the Gentiles do not have the law, they themselves do instinctively the things of the law, uh, these showing that the work of the law has been written in their hearts and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. And what he means by that is every creature of God, every man, has a conscience. And when we do what's right, you know, our, our conscience defends us. When we do what's wrong, our, our conscience condemns us. And so we all kind of have, we all kind of have the law in our hearts. But uh, when we go through the Ten Commandments, we're really seeing this, you know, kind of in a more refined way. And uh, so we started discussion last time. Hello, Lee. And Lee has come in. Lee, glad you joined us today, Lee. And uh, so we started a discussion last time of the Ten Commandments. We started on the First Commandment. And we talked about, as Luther says in the, uh, in the explanation of the First Commandment, he says, uh, you shall have no other gods, which is the commandment, First Commandment. You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? He says it means we should fear we should fear love and trust in God above all things, so that the actual worship of God. What does it mean to worship God? It means to fear Him. It means to love Him. It means to trust Him above all things, above everything. That makes sense. Yeah, we kind of talked about last time. We talked about what it meant to fear God, and to fear God doesn't mean that you're afraid of God or that you're terrified of God. What it means is you have an awesome reverence for God. God is God is someone who, who you treat with respect and with dignity and with uh, um, uh, with submission. Uh, so that's a kind of 
what it means to, to fear God and to love God, of course, is to value him above all things. To trust in God, of course, it means to believe what God says. To believe that God is good and that he gives us good things and to believe that there is that there is no wrongdoing in God. You know, when when somebody has been proven false, it's you know, you have a hard time trusting them. Right? When they've yeah. done something that's wrong, you have a hard time trusting them. Well, God is has never done anything wrong. He's never done he's always done what is right. He's always done what is good. He's always done uh, he always acts in love, and and we can trust that God will, will bless us. Now, one of the things we didn't talk about last time, as we talked about what it meant to fear, love, and trust in God, was we really didn't talk about who God is. Right? True. Yeah. And this is, um, this is kind of an important thing, because in the news lately, we've had even the Pope that has come out, and he said what? I think in the interest of peace and harmony and world peace, uh, the, the Pope has been motivated to say that Jews and uh, Muslims and uh, uh, Christians all worship the same God. In fact, he went so far as to say that there really is no need to convert Jews because they are already kind of... Uh, they're worshiping God. They're they're on a relate. They have a relationship with God, and they are ritually pure before God and and accepted by God the way they are. Of course, we adamantly disagree with the Pope here uh, because Jesus says, "I am the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me." He tells us, "He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him." Right. Uh, he he says uh, uh, that the Son. He, son, he says, no one knows God except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Now, that's a very important... Now, this is Jesus speaking, right? Right. So this is the author and founder of our faith. Uh, and I think he carries a little more authority than the Pope. I'm sorry if you're Roman Catholic, folks. I'm not trying to insult the Pope. I'm just trying to, trying to uh, uh, tell you what Jesus says. And Jesus has a little more authority than the Pope. And Jesus says, no one knows God except the one who comes to me, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so if, if someone uh, refuses to receive Jesus as God himself in the flesh, he's, Jesus also says on another, he's, Jesus says all kinds of these things. He says, uh, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins, Right? Makes sense. Lest you believe that I am he. I By the way, I think there he is referring to, when he says, unless you believe that I am he, I think he's referring to uh, the God of Israel who sent Moses down to Egypt. You know, when, when Moses came to Mount Sinai and, and found God, and God spoke to him and sent him down to Egypt and said, uh, um, uh, Moses, you know, finally, in in uh, before he receives this, before he uh, goes and does this work, he says to him, uh, "What will I tell the children of Israel that your name is? You know, what is your name?" And God says, "Tell them, uh, uh, I Yahweh, I am, I am who I am. Tell them, I am has sent has sent me to you." And uh, and 
And Jesus himself takes up this name. Jesus claims this name for himself. In John chapter 8, when he says, uh, he says, your, Abra your father, he says to the Jews, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and you, you say you've seen Abraham? And uh, Jesus says in response, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And he uses the construction there. Before Abraham was born, Yahweh. Right? Now, um, they understood what he meant. And how do we know that they understood what he meant? Well, they picked up stones to throw at him. In other words, they were ready to stone him to death for blasphemy because he claimed to be God himself, the God who sent Moses to Egypt, the God who delivered Egypt, uh, Israel from Egypt by all his great and mighty miracles and plagues and leading them through the Red Sea uh, on dry land. Uh, you know, all these things that Jesus says teaches us that, that Jesus is not only a messenger of God, like um, you say Muhammad, Muslims believe that Muhammad <coughs> is God's messenger. Jesus is not only God's messenger, Jesus is... <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Caught a little something in my throat there. <coughs> this is good broadcasting, right? You know, this is real entertainment when you can hear the host cough. <coughs> so Jesus says, I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus means to teach that he is the God of Moses. They understood it. Thank you. Oh boy, thank you. They understood that. <coughs> they reacted to it. Well, so getting back to this idea of who God is, when we look in the first chapter of Genesis, we see kind of a, a funny thing happens as God is creating the world. And, you know, on the first day he creates light and uh, the second day dry land appears and uh, the third day vegetation. You know, the, you know, on the fourth day you have the sun and the moon and the stars. On the fifth day you have the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. On the sixth day, he begins to create all the crawling creatures and the cattle and the sheep and the, you know, what we call mammals. <coughs> and lastly, he creates mankind. But something different happens when God creates man. He says, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And let him rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every creeping thing that creeps on the face of the earth. In other words, uh, what God is saying is because of man's dignity as being made in the likeness of God, man will have dominion 
over the world as God's agent, just as God has dominion over all things. So God, God uh, delivers to man uh, kind of a dominion over the earth. We still see it even though men are broken, men are fallen, we still see mankind has a, has a dominion over the earth. Uh, so the you know the kind of the shattered pieces of original creation still exist in in uh, in you know pieces and uh, uh, glimpses of what God made. But the m- most interesting thing about that is that God says, "Let us make man in our image, in our image, according to our likeness." And the question you have to ask yourself. is who was God speaking to when he said, let us make man in our image? Well, further, we know that God is a spirit. Uh Uh-huh. So what image does a spirit have? Well, yeah, how how would you answer that question? I'll I'll get you to answer your own question there. (laughs) Uh, The person of Jesus Christ. The, the Trinity is uh, is exposed there. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think you're on to something. Ultimately, how we know who God is is through Christ. You know, um, uh, Paul in Colossians calls Christ the icon of God, right? Right. He is he is uh, the image of the invisible God. Uh, says, uh, but. Did you also mean, by the way, Lee, did you also mean that um, God being spirit, is, he, uh, he has uh, certain attributes, right? And um, uh, characteristics. Uh, we say things like uh, God is love. So if, if, if uh, man is created in God's image, what does that say about man? Is it man is love? Or man knows love, or man is able to love. Now, in our fallen in our fallenness, we don't always love the right things. Our fallenness attaches love to other things, but uh, but we we can know what love is because we're created in God's image. Uh, at least they were created in God's image. You know, Adam and Eve um, before the fall were created in God's image. But I I don't want to get too far afield on that. What I really want to emphasize here is the us and the our. Meaning that uh, God is God wants to create... And, and, and then, by the way, Moses says, uh, and so God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. So what is happening here in the very first chapter of the Bible is we see the multiplicity of persons within the Godhead. In other words, we would say today, this is an inter-Trinitarian dialogue. This is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that are consulting each other as they make man. Now, that's not to say that you know this wasn't God's eternal plan, but God wants to give us a glimpse of what he's doing. And so he, he uh, through Moses, he introduces this. Now, if that's true, then strict monotheism, uh, the way Jews and Mohammedans or Jews and Muslims teach it, is out. 
that there are persons within the divine substance, distinct persons, um, who are carrying on this dialogue, right? By the way, I want to go back a second here. And we just I just mentioned the fact that God is love. Now, uh, if God is love, and, and we know he is, then Lee, let me ask you a question. If God is love, and God was the only person that existed in all of eternity, then who was God loving before he created, before he made creation? Who was God loving before he made man in particular? Who was God loving? If there's only one person. Before there was a creation? Yeah, before there was a creation. You know, in other words, what we have is a God who changes, okay, from being a kind of the, be, who becomes now a lover, where before he wasn't a lover, right? Now, with creation, God becomes a lover. So God needs mankind to love something, right? He needs it for something to love. If there is only one person in the Godhead. But if, if is as is the case, if there are a kind of a community of persons within the Godhead, as Christians teach, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then that question kind of answers itself, doesn't it? We say, who was God loving before there was a creation? Well, God, the Father loved the Son. The Son loved the Father. You know, the Holy Spirit was loved by the Father and the Son and loved both the Father and the Son. And so that question kind of answers itself. See, with a, a Christian conception of God, you don't need to have a creation for God to love. And so God doesn't, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is immutable because God doesn't become a lover. God is a lover. He always was. You know, uh, is, was, and always will be, right? Uh, so now this is kind of, so you have these little hints, by the way. You have these little hints throughout the Old Testament of, of a multiplicity of persons. And I won't say quite a trinity yet. We don't see that yet. But you see, a, you see within, the, within uh, the Godhead, you see kind of a, di you see dialogue. And you see uh, more than one person. Uh, in the psalmist, uh, the psalmist who says, what is, what is his name? What is God's name? And, and what is his son's name? Right? I think you know. The psalmist says this a thousand years before Christ. Now, what happens then is Jesus comes and he begins to say things like, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Right? Before Abraham was born, I am. The gospel writers themselves say things like, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was both God and he was with God because the Father was with the Son, right? Um, you have all these, uh, all, all this, uh, you know, Jesus saying, unless you honor the Son, even as you honor the Father, Right? In other words, even as you honor God as the Father, you must honor God as the Son. Now, how can you say that unless, 
unless there is an equality of persons uh, within this within this Godhead. Now, even with all that, and Jesus later on will will begin to speak about the Holy Spirit, and he'll say things like, uh, uh, you know, uh, God will send another Comforter like me, like me, he says. And he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So you have Jesus talks about another person. Which we've already seen in Jesus' baptism. As the sun goes into the water and the uh, sky clears and opens. And um, the Father speaks from heaven and the Spirit descends like a dove. You see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit there in the baptism of Jesus. So you already kind of see that. And then at the end of the gospel, at the end of Matthew, for instance, Matthew's gospel, we see something that that uh, reveals the Trinity to us perfectly. Because after the resurrection, Jesus comes to his disciples and he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, now, he says baptizing them in the name, singular, right? He doesn't say baptizing them in the names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but baptize them in the na- baptizing them in the name, the one singular name that is shared by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, later, one of our creeds, the Athanasian creed, will say, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God, right? Because there are not three divine substances. You know, that that name, Yahweh, and and by the way, I mean, you can go into a whole spill here on biblical names and the meaning of names. Uh, Suffice it to say that names in biblical culture don't, they have a meaning, they have a purpose, they reveal something about the person. And God's name reveals something about him. He is, I am, the one who is. And uh, so all three persons share this divine name, and they share uh, the divine nature. Okay? So there's not more than one God, but there's more than one person. You have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit within the divine trinity and it's taught there in Matthew 28:19 and 20 uh, the, the holy trinity very explicitly 